Welcome to Where To Next, a podcast for the driven woman who's been there, done that, and wants to be intentional about what's next. Each week, I'll teach you how to get where you want to go next while focusing on what's working and what's lighting you up. You'll learn to connect and leverage your intuition, acknowledge doubt when it pops up, and have the skills and confidence to keep going. You'll create your next steps with new mindset tools and crystallized wisdom, all while doing life your way and not someone else's, and realizing it's way easier than you ever imagined. Because, my love, living life this way, your way, means the best is yet to come. You are made for this. Thanks so much for being here. Let's dive in. I woke up in the middle of the night a couple of nights ago. And I couldn't get back to sleep in what I consider to be a reasonable time frame. And I realized it was because I was worrying about something. I was thinking about something in the future that hadn't happened yet. And I was totally stressing myself out. And I took myself through the process, which I'll share with you in a few minutes. And I realized, oh yeah, I need to talk about this on the podcast because we all worry. Now here's the bad news. I'm just going to drop it up front. We're never going to stop worrying ever. So if that's your goal, I'm going to tell you right now, it's unrealistic and impossible. And the reason why that is, is very simple. Our brain is designed to worry. And I'll tell you more about that in a couple of minutes. But if you can come to some sort of peace or understanding that your worry will never stop. I think that's going to take a lot of pressure off. In fact, I know it will. The good news is, or the flip side of that is, you can learn to maintain it. You can learn to manage it. You can learn to worry more intentionally. And maybe that's not even worry at that moment. Maybe that's just thinking or pondering. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So back to my middle of the night story. I woke up, went to the bathroom, climbed back into bed. And most nights I read just a couple of minutes or a page or two to go back to sleep. But I realized, wow, I'd been reading four, five, six pages, which is a lot in the middle of the night for me. And I realized it was because I was worrying and I was thinking about something in the future, something that hadn't happened yet, yet my thoughts that the things that I was thinking about felt so real. They felt so powerful. It felt so necessary to be thinking those thoughts. And it also felt really productive. So it's the middle of the night. No good thought ever happens in the middle of the night. Nothing, I mean, yes, you have those epiphany moments, But generally speaking, what we're thinking about in the middle of the night tends to be a lot of unhelpful, not constructive, sort of um, scary thoughts. And rightfully so. We're sleep deprived. We're not focused. We're definitely not hydrated. We're probably half asleep. It's dark. We're alone. I mean, that's when all of the, you know, that's when all, all of that stuff comes up. And what I realized was my thoughts were keeping me awake. And I've been doing this for a while now. So I can, you know, I'm going to take you through this process and tell you, but what I want you to know is this is a process. It's a skill. 
It's a learning mechanism. So you're not going to be done with worry overnight or even the next time it happens. And it's going to take a little while and that is okay, but it is entirely possible to put that at bay and whether it's the middle of the day, so you carry on with whatever task you're doing, or it's the middle of the night, you can get back to sleep. It is absolutely within reach for you. So let me tell you what worry is. Worry is your brain trying to be useful. And what I mean by that is this, your brain has three functions. It operates on a triad. Think about a triangle. And at one angle is fear. At another angle is pleasure. And at another angle is efficiency. And what do I mean by that? I mean, your brain's job is to keep you alive. And the way it does that is to avoid fear and pain, move toward pleasure and do it as efficiently as possible. Those are the three sort of angles of the triangle, if you think about it that way. So when you have a situation come up in your life, you've got some thoughts, you've got some feelings, this might not work out, I'm afraid, whatever may be the case. In my particular case, without sharing details, it was, oh my goodness, what if this doesn't work out? My brain went to work trying to solve it but it wasn't really solving it. It was just thinking about, oh my goodness, what if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out? Because that is how my brain thinks it is being helpful. It does not want to sit with the discomfort of the situation. It wants to go and solve the situation. And that is moving away from the pain and moving toward the pleasure. So worry is just, it's like a maelstrom. It's a you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, imagine being inside of a vacuum cleaner. It's all of that dirt and dust just kind of kicking around and not making any sense. But the good news is that means your brain is working and your brain is trying to protect you. So what we can do is interrupt that process. We can meet our brain where it is. We can calm it down. We can walk it through and you can get yourself back sleeping or onto whatever it was that you were doing during daylight hours. So that worry in essence is trying to avoid uncertainty. It's trying to avoid a lack of control because there are a lot of us out there who like to control all of the things, myself included, and worry by worrying, we think we're going to mitigate control, but we're actually not. Because here's why worrying doesn't work. When we worry about the future, we are thinking about something that hasn't happened yet. We th are thinking about something that probably won't happen and a very high percentage of the time is very unlikely to happen. Our brain doesn't know that. Our brain is trying to solve a problem because when we drop a problem in our brain's lap, our brain goes to work trying to solve it. So why worrying doesn't work is because it's basically taking our energy and our attention and our resources, our time, time is our most precious resource. It's taking it away from what we're doing in the present and it's focusing on the future. And again, remember, if we're talking about worry, this is something that hasn't happened yet. Okay. Worry is inefficient. It's ineffective. 
again, because it takes us away from what we're doing in this moment to focus on an as of yet undetermined point in the future. Worrying on some levels is a habit. It's a reaction. It's a choice. And it's not something that most of us consciously choose. Quite the opposite. We've been taught. We've maybe seen our parents, our grandparents just worry, right? The, the stereotypical mom and grandma who, you know, who are always worrying, knitting. I think about, you know, I think about <laughs> those images from way back when. Again, we don't have tools. Most of us weren't taught. So I don't want you to beat yourself up that this is a choice. It's, it's not that type of a thing. But it is a learned behavior. And so what that means is we've learned it, we can unlearn it too. And the other reason why worrying doesn't work is because it, it focuses us on assuming there's some sort of action or there's something we can do versus just being. I know you've heard this so many times, be overdue all day, right? <laughs> all day. Let's focus on the being, not on the doing. And worrying likes to put us in the place of, okay, I'm doing this. I am worrying. So things are going to, this is what I need to be doing. This is constructive. This is entirely helpful. I can tell you that's the exact opposite of what we want to be doing. When we're in the future, we're not in the present. And our future is built by what we're doing in the present. So if you're worrying about the future, you're not having that meaningful conversation with your child. You're not connecting with your significant other. You're not interfacing with your neighbor. You're not even resting and taking that time for yourself. You are somewhere else in this imaginary land that we think we know what's going to happen, but your truest impact is always what's happening right now in front of you. Okay. So that's, that's why worrying doesn't work. Now, what I want you to know, if I kind if you can kind of follow this, basically worry is like a thief. Worry is stealing from you. It's taking you out of your present and putting you in the future. All right. And I'm pretty sure none of us, if we think about it that way, wants to willingly go there. Also, why worrying doesn't work? Worrying actually compounds whatever issue is going on. So think about me a couple of nights ago when I woke up in the middle of the night, I was worrying, thought I could solve something in the future. I wasn't sleeping. When I don't sleep, I wake up grumpy. When I wake up grumpy, I might pick a fight with my significant other. I might want to bail on an appointment. I'm definitely going to snap at my kids. I might even eat more. All of this happens. It's like the ripple effect, right? The domino effect, because I'm worrying about something, not doing what is in my best interest or what I'm supposed to be doing at that moment in time, which was sleeping. Okay. We can see. And then we all know how that ends when we pick those fights and we say we're going to do something, we don't end up doing it and we snap and then maybe we need more coffee and then maybe somebody needs an extra glass of wine to fall asleep. I mean, you see, it's like this whole, whole big cycle. 
Now, here's where it gets good, because I'm going to tell you how to worry less or how to slow it down. And it might be a little woo, might sound that way for you, but here's what I want to want to say. So much of how we've shown up in the past, our outdated operating systems are just that. They're out of date. They might have supported who we were at any one moment in time. But when you think about where you're going next, when you think about where you want to be in six months or in a year or in five years, something's got to change. And the way we talk to ourselves, the way we interact with ourselves, our relationship with ourselves is where it all starts and ends. And thinking about worrying is a prime example. So the woo part. The first thing I want you to do, and this is what I did, I want you to realize, oh wow, I'm worrying. And how do you do that? Well, when I couldn't get back to sleep, I realized, okay, I'm reading the same page over and over again. A, I'm not paying attention. B, my body was feeling tight. The first thing I do, I always drop into my body. Our heads, our brains, our thoughts are very separate from our body. Our body keeps a very different score, if you will, compared to what's going on in our head. We're living in our head when we're worrying. I want you to come back in and I want you to drop into your body. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you're new to this work, I want you to put your hand over your belly and you can do that right now. This is what I did the other night. I realized I was breathing shallow. Okay. And that feels a little bit like my throat is tight and my chest is moving. That's what that kind of breathing is. And the other thing I was feeling the other night is what does that tension, what does that tightness, what does worry feel like? For me, worry is a faster heartbeat, that shorter and shallow breathing that I was talking about. There's a tightness in my neck and my head. And the color is gray. Okay. So now when you talk about, or when I ask you to tune in to what's going on in your body, I want you to think about those questions, right? When you catch yourself, oh, wow, I'm worrying. Where is this in your body? What does it feel like? What are the actual sensations? What do you notice your body doing? And what is the color? You can either do this now or you can do it later. And then what I want you to do is just see, okay, wow, I'm able to identify this. And this could take practice. If you've never done this before, that is okay. We're, we're learning. And then I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it on your abdomen, kind of your belly button. It can be a little bit south of your belly button. And I want you to practice breathing to your hand. And what I mean by that is most of us take a, a breath and our chest expands and then we exhale. This is diaphragmatic breathing or deep belly breathing. And I want you to imagine your hand is like a magnet for the breath. So you inhale through your nose. You imagine the breath is going to your hand. Your hand is acting as a magnet and then you exhale. 
It can also be helpful to inhale through your nose. Imagine your diaphragm is expanding, getting bigger. And as you exhale, it's going to contract. And what that breathing does is slows your heart rate very quickly because a lot of us, when we're worrying, our heart rate is elevated and your whole body releases. Your jaw can no longer be tight. Your shoulders kind of relax. My throat and my neck loosen. And I only have to do this two or three times and then I'm back, you know, I'm back super zen in my body. And when I'm sleeping at night, I can obviously feel this happening because my body is on the bed. So I've got that tactile reinforcement. And within a couple of breaths, I'm, I'm relaxed. And then I fall back to sleep almost immediately. But this exercise works no matter where you are and what you're doing. All you have to do is realize what's going on, create that awareness, recognize it, check in with it. What does it feel like? What does it look like? What color is it? Where in my body do I feel it? And that's how you get to know what this feels like in your body because worry does feel like something. And then shift it. And you do that by gently placing your hand on your belly. You can put your hands kind of on your lower, put on your back, on your lower ribs and breathe there too. Two, three, four, five, six times. It might take 10. Some people like to count they like to count in for four and then exhale for four. Whatever it is, this process immediately stops the worry. It does stop the worry for a couple of moments because you're so focused on your breath and you're so focused on your body that you can't help but have any other thoughts. Okay. Now, a lot of us, we've been told, Oh gosh, when these moments happen, right? Oh, I'm just going to start with my mantra or I'm going to get up. I'm going to, you know, maybe we want to pick up our phone. Maybe we want to go for a walk. Maybe we go into the pantry to have something that can be helpful. It serves a time and a place, but in order to really heal, in order to really begin rewiring and repatterning in your brain and in your body, you have to feel these feelings. You can't just bypass them. It's uncomfortable to feel them. I'm not going to pretend that it's, that it's super comfortable, but it's also uncomfortable to continue living in this heightened state or to living to live with worry or to feel like you don't have any agency or any control over the situation because you absolutely do all picking up your phone or eating or drinking or sometimes even going for a walk, all that's going to do is delay because these feelings will come back. Now they're going to come back anyway, but when you're able to feel the feelings, feel the sensation in your body and work through it versus bypassing it or avoiding it, that is when, like I said, you repattern and you rewire and you, you build some resilience internally. Now this for me melts, melts my body, whatever I'm doing. I am just a hundred percent Zen 
and I come back to my present because remember, your present is from where you create your future. Your present is where you're the most powerful. Now, here are some tools, some in addition to the breathing that you can do kind of after the fact. And I want you to experiment. You can do this in lieu of breathing if you want. It's um, a bit of a mishmash. There's no one way. This is just what I have found, what I have studied, what I've practiced, what other experts and, and friends and colleagues do. So I'm just going to share a couple of other things. You can journal, and I've done this before too. And the question, the prompt is, what do I know for sure? What do I know for sure? And what I know for sure, these are just a couple of thoughts because I did journal about this the other day after I, I got up my morning moment, I journaled. What do I know for sure? I know the situation always works out, even if it's not how I anticipate or think I want it to. I know it always works out. The second thing I know is true. What I know for sure is that I always get through every single situation I've been in, even when it's hard, even when I cry, even when it's not what I've planned, I always get through. The third thing I know for sure is that I am not alone. There is always someone I can turn to, whether it's someone in my family, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a member of the clergy, whether it's a podcast, whether it's my journal, there is always someone or something I can turn to for support. Now, the other things I know for sure is that when I am connected to me, when I'm listening to my higher self, when I'm following my intuition, when I'm in my body, not in my head, when I'm in my body, I am relaxed. I feel like love. I flow. I show up better. I feel better. I live better. Now, it's not easy. This doesn't happen, like I said, overnight. And I don't pretend to live in this blissed out state all the time because I'm not. I'm human. I live on planet Earth. I have kids. I have a business. I have a life. And I'm stressed out just like everyone else. What I do is when I feel these stressful moments coming on, when I have that sense of worry, I am able to catch it in my body and I am able to drop back in and feel my way toward feeling better, even if it's just for a couple seconds. And that matters tremendously because what that does is it slows my brain down. I'm not worrying. I stop the cycle of worry, which feels so productive and real, but in reality is not. I stop that for a second and I come back to kind of that baseline. And when I'm in that place where I am relaxed and I am compassionate with myself and I feel momentarily better, that is when I can see the forest through the trees. That is when I realize I have options maybe options that I hadn't thought about when I was worrying. That is when new ideas and inspiration drop in. That is when I get that fresh perspective. And maybe it's just, oh, wow, I haven't talked to that person in a while. I know they could really help, or I'm just even super curious. That is when that sort of openness and that expansiveness comes. Because when we're worried, we're tight, we're constricted. 
we're clenching our jaws, we're probably clenching our fists. There's no energy flowing when that's happening, not the type of energy that you want. And when you can drop in, like I said, and just breathe and be, oh my goodness, that is when, that is when the worry just sort of dissolves like dust. It just kind of dissolves in front of you. One other sort of tool for worrying is remember what I said about your brain, how it operates on this sort of triad, motivational triad framework, moving away from pain toward pleasure and doing it as quickly as possible. Worry, as we know, is your brain's way of solving for the pain as quickly as possible. It's thinking. What I want you to do is I want you to take that a step further. I want you to actually, if you're struggling, whatever you're, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're spinning about, I want you to play out the worst case scenario. Really go there in your brain because your brain is going to spin until it comes up with a solution. So that is why it is constantly spinning. But when we're worrying, we don't actually ever solve anything. We just are kind of in this cycle. And when you can play out the worst case scenario and actually answer your brain, what do I think is going to happen? And then what? And then what? And then what? Your brain then has something to hold on to. Okay. And if you're doing this on paper, I encourage you to do it on paper just because you can actually see it and you can feel it and you can burn it at the end. If you really want to, you can have this conversation with yourself that goes something like this. Okay. I see that that's what you think could possibly happen. And maybe it will, maybe we won't. But now that we've got all of this out on paper, I'm going to crinkle it up. I'm going to rip it up. I'm going to burn it up, whatever. And then you direct your brain. So the part of your brain that's doing that thinking, a lot of people call it their monkey brain or their lizard brain. And it's the amygdala. It's in the back, back part of your brain. And that is the part that worries about keeping you safe. And when you can answer those questions and you're answering from your front with your prefrontal cortex, that's the executive functioning part of your brain. That's where answers and logic live. So when you calm that part down, the rear part down, the monkey brain down by answering from your prefrontal cortex. Yes, we've answered these questions. This is what could happen. A, B, C, D. You remind yourself this front part of your brain is what's in charge, the prefrontal cortex. And now we're going to rip up the paper and we're going to put it away. And when those thoughts come back, when that sense of worry, that urgency comes back, because it will, because remember, you've practiced this for many years, probably decades. We just don't lay new framework or new neural pathways overnight. It takes routine. It takes dedication. It takes consistency. And even when you've been practicing it for years, even monks, their brains aren't completely devoid of worry and stress. They're just really, really, really good and really practiced at managing it and spotting it when it pops up. And that's what's going to happen for you. Maybe you meet, you reach monk status, maybe you don't, but maybe the next time it happens, you realize, oh, wow. Yeah. I feel the tightness in my body. And maybe it took you a few minutes the first time to identify. Maybe it takes you 10 seconds less. Maybe you immediately put your hands on your lower back and you go into that breathing exercise 
whatever it is, maybe whip out your journal and you start, you know, answering what if, what if, what if, what do I know is true? Lots of questions for you to answer. And that's all I have to say about worry. It's a lot. Yeah. But here's what I want to end with. And I touched on this before this concept of we've lived a good portion of our life doing things one way. When we want to make a change, we have to commit to showing up differently and doing things differently. And one of the biggest takeaways I hope you leave today with, and one of the simplest tools that's not necessarily easy, but is to approach this with a sense of compassion. The no pain, no gain doesn't work here because it just doesn't work. We can't beat ourselves into submission and have (laughs) expect the results to be loving and lasting. Think about when your toddler had a meltdown in the supermarket, right? When you rushed them along or you picked them up and you said, we've got to go, you've got to stop. What did they do? Nine times out of 10, they would scream louder. They would kick louder. They would thrash louder. When you can meet that toddler where they are, on the ground, wherever, and have a kind conversation with them, hi, sweetheart, I know this hurts. I love you so much. And sit with them for 10 seconds till they get all those tears out, all that snot dripping down their face, right? Then you can scoop them up, carry them, and be on your way. You are exactly the same as that toddler. When you try to do it harder, faster, shame yourself, beat yourself up for feeling a certain way or not learning, you're not doing yourselves any favors. You're treating yourself just like you would treat that toddler in the supermarket. But when you can invoke compassion and you can imagine yourself saying, yeah, I see I'm worrying. Again, I hear that. This is a big thing in my life and I'm kind of stressed out about it. And just for this moment, I'm just gonna try to breathe. And even as I say that to you, I can feel my body sort of turning to mush. It just kind of gets a little bit softer. And I want that for you. I want you to have that experience of being kind to yourself and maybe turning the volume down on worry because your greatest power is in this exact moment. Thanks so much for listening. If this was helpful, text this episode to your friend and reviews are always appreciated. I know you know that. You can find me on Instagram at Stacey Vulak, S-T-A-C-E-Y-V-U-L-A-K-H or email me directly. That's the best place to find me. Hello at StaceyV.com. Definitely grab the link for my weekly note in the show notes below. And remember, until next time, you're in charge. Where are you going next?